Awesome. So thankful you are here with us today and excited. Anybody for Super Bowl Sunday? Who we got, like big football fans? That is very underwhelming, very underwhelming, but that's okay. I see a few jerseys out there, some team gear, uh, all the good stuff. So last week, if you were with us, we did a little NASCAR, talked a little NASCAR. One more time, how many NASCAR fans in the room? Yeah, me, me, pretty much. There's, there's, oh, there's, there's like four in here today. That's more than both services last week combined. Uh, that's okay. But football is a whole nother level for most of you. Now, I'm looking forward to next Sunday, the Daytona 500. That's what I'm looking forward to. But also, obviously, Bengals tonight. Let's go Ohio. Let's do all that good stuff. Uh, but it's going to be a good time and uh, looking forward to that. But uh, just excited about Sunday. He mentioned, Pastor David on the screens, be sure to get take pictures out at the goalposts in the backdrop when you leave today and uh, just have a little bit of fun with that. Also, Super Bowl Sunday party tonight for all of our men and your friends and friends include wives, you know, whoever. Bring anybody you want with you tonight. It's a good time right here in this room watching on the big screen. And uh, so love to have you come join them, the men. In fact, if you are possibly coming tonight, could you just raise your hand up real fast? I want to see. We've got, oh, wow. Okay, perfect. Thank you. That's helpful. 15 or so, John, I would say, in the service. Perfect. Thank you for that. We're going to have a good time. And uh, John's going to get food for you. So that's exciting. So maybe bring some with you, some snacks, all those good things, and uh, it's going to be good. But I encourage you today, have fun. In fact, maybe if you're not here tonight, invite somebody over to your house tonight. Or maybe you're like, my house is dirty, or I don't want to invite somebody over. Invite yourself over to somebody else's house. That's even easier. Whatever you need to do, get together with people, fellowship. And some of you don't care about football, so maybe go to lunch instead, and then you can just go to bed early tonight. Or somebody in the foyer said that they're looking forward to grocery shopping right about 6.30 this afternoon. Because there will be nobody there is their goal, unless everybody thinks that way. So if that's your prep, whatever, whatever floats your boat, let's make that happen. And But of all things, I pray that we honor Jesus in everything we do today as every day and just excited about that. My wife and I, we are going to have, I'm guessing, 40 students at our house today because for some reason I volunteered us to host the Super Bowl party for the youth group. And my wife, I don't know if she was in or not at the time. We're there. We're going to have a good time. But if you have 6th to 12th grade students, love to have them come to our house, hang out with us from beginning. We're just going to have a good time, eat food, hang out, have fun. And uh, I was actually thinking about we'll just lock all the kids in one room, and then the, the four or five adults will be in another room. And we'll uh, – no, I'm probably not going to do that. But sounds like a good plan nonetheless. We're going to have a good time tonight and love to have all of the students make it out. Well, today we're going to continue our relationship playbook sermon series and uh, specifically today looking at values of a team. Now, when I think about my football team, and this is sad, really sad, but I am a Browns fan and I, I wore a Buckeye jersey because more, but I'm a Browns fan. And in fact, I was actually at Meyer the other night standing in front of a rack of Bengals gear. And I was like, I'm an Ohio fan. I live in Ohio. I always have. You know, I want, I want the Bengals to win tonight. I'm going to buy a shirt. And I was standing there, and I'm like, it just didn't quite feel right. I was like, I cannot buy and wear a Bengals jersey or, or shirt, even, you know, even a cheap one. Like, I'm a Browns fan. So I'm going to cheer for the Bengals, 
but I can't wear the gear. Just can't do it. And so maybe that's you today. Uh, but when I think about my team and the Bengals, so the Browns and the Bengals, Ohio, North, South, the rivalry, this year the Browns were supposed to, anybody, Browns fans, this was supposed to be the year. It was supposed to be. We were going to easily make the playoffs this year. Of course we were. And then we were going to have a chance at the Super Bowl. Now, if you watch sports, you know that this year did not turn out like that at all. At all, right? It was a bomb of a year. There were injuries. There were issues. But you know what there was in a big way? There was disunity. There was people apart from one another. There was a wide receiver that wanted the ball more and so called out. In fact, his dad called out. That's, you know, good. His dad called out the, the, the coaches and, and Baker Mayfield who played terrible this year, right? Like all of these things work together, and the team was disunified from the beginning. It just didn't seem like they ever got it. And the Bengals, who some of their own sports writers picked them to win like four games or five games, they are in the Super Bowl. Why are they in the Super Bowl? I mean, Joe Burrow, number one reason, Joe Burrow. But beyond that, because they were united. They were together. Everything was team. Everything was us. Everything was we've got this. We're going in one direction. And you can be a little bit more of an underdog. In fact, they would say the Bengals might be, if they win, the biggest underdog ever to win the Super Bowl, right? In that level. They're not, they weren't supposed to do this. Or someone like the Browns, or you know, we at least, Browns fan, believe this was going to be the year. But our unity and our togetherness and how we, we value one another makes all the difference on any team. It's, it's everything. I was on uh, social media the other day, and I just saw a little video of the Bengals, and they were walking kind of up to the stadium. And there were all of these posts, like where there might be kiosks or something. There was a flagpole. And so they were all walking in a line, like next to each other. And Joe Burrow, as they were about to go through all of these different uh, like turnstiles or through these different uh, spots, he's like, stop, stop, stop. Come on, come on. And they all went through the same one because they were like, we're not separating. There's nothing about what we're going to do that's going to be separated in this week. So they literally lined up and walked through the thing. And it was funny because the video, it wasn't planned, I'm pretty sure. It was like somebody's cell phone like just caught it. It was one of those moments and I want us to be a people, I want to be a person that we're not going to separate, we're not going to go in different doors or different ways, or we're, no, we're going to come and line up and go together. If you are married in the room, if you have children in the room, if you have a friend in the room, if you have a boss, if you have any relationship of any sort, when you are together, it's better, right? And when you are with them, when you're united, when you're not that's when work really, really stinks, right? If you can't have a conversation, if things are, it's like, this was fun, now this is no longer fun. Like, how do we get it back? By coming into alignment. And the church is the exact same way. That unity is such a powerful part of who we are. There's values that we need as a team. There's values that we need if we want to experience all that God has for us individually, but then together. And today we're going to look in Philippians. And uh, this morning as I was actually during worship, the Lord just, I don't know, I think laid on my heart to start in verse 12. I'm just going to read it real fast because it is so rich and so good. And then we'll start uh, at 17 to dive into the word for this morning. But Philippians 2, 12 says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my our presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. 
For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God, without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be poured out, or proud, excuse me, that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. And when I begin to just think about this, and even in preparation for this sermon, believing the word of God is what we need. And when it mentions working out our salvation, even with fear and trembling, there's times in our life when we don't really want to submit to what God has. I don't know about anybody else. Most of us, probably all of us, submitting to anything is not our favorite thing. We'd rather do anything than come and lay it down before anything. And a lot of times with God, it can be the same way. And it would say, even to come and to, even with fear and trembling, maybe a way that I could say is to get down on a knee before the Lord, to offer him every part of me, and to say, this is serious. This is real. It's not just something we do. It's not just some religion that we're a part of. No, we have a relationship with the God of the universe. And Paul would say, to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Which means, church, that tomorrow I should not look like I look today. And next week I should not look like I look today. And next year, in fact, in three years, I pray that if I look back at myself in 2022, in February, I pray I'm a little bit embarrassed of the Chris that is now because I should be moving along with God and say, whoa, I didn't realize what you had for me. I didn't realize who I'm supposed to be. And if we can just understand that God to move in him, And thankfully, his grace for today is sufficient, which means we're good. We're going to heaven if you've given your life to him, if you're walking with him. But I'm continually working out my salvation. I'm continually growing. I'm continually working to look more like the God of the universe that for some crazy reason called your name and wants you and wants relationship with you and wants to spend eternity with you, that has adopted you as his son, as his daughter church let's let's be in let's be in with the lord let's let him move in our lives and speak to us come before him that our lights would shine in our world even before a crooked generation anybody we've got some crooked stuff going out in our world it does not line up with the word and the only way that we can look like our god is to work out our salvation every day to look more and more and more like jesus and less and less like I would naturally look. I don't know if anybody else, my natural look isn't my best look. <laughs> Lord, I submit to you, and I'm going to look and act and be and do the things you have because that's who I'm truly created to be. So, okay, there's my little pre-service devotion. That's what God spoke to me in the first service during worship. And now we're going to jump into the word for today, what's going to go on the, the screens and all that good stuff. But thinking of it this way, Maybe you've heard it. Teamwork makes the work, right? There's something about teamwork. Here in the passage that we're going to be looking at in Philippians, we see that there is going to see Paul, there's Timothy, there's Epaphroditus. Now, these three guys, Paul, he wrote a ton of the New Testament. He was someone who who persecuted the church, and then Jesus showed up 
to him, and he had a radical salvation moment and a salvation a few days as God uh, blinded him. And then he went back somebody, and the message was preached, and he gave his life to the Lord. And then he became the greatest evangelist maybe of all time, bringing the word of God to the world and specifically to the Gentiles. Amazing, Paul. But we also are going to see Timothy. And Timothy was somebody that came uh, from, uh, his father was Greek, his mother and grandmother were Jewish, converts to Christianity. What we would see is that the father did not give himself to the Lord and to Jesus. So Paul became Timothy's spiritual father, his, his uh, mentor, and, and the one who poured into him. Timothy accompanied Paul on missionary journeys. P Timothy would be one that would help write and be a part of writing books with him, would be with him to do and to, to bless him. He was somebody that at this point would have been with Paul for a, at least a decade, for 10 years, serving and pouring into Paul. He was someone that could be trusted, someone that, that would give it all to serve the Lord and to do that with Paul. Epaphroditus, another guy that we're going to look at this morning, is a guy that, that he was sent from the church uh, in Philippi. Paul writes about him here, writes about him in chapter 4, that he is sent to Paul in Rome. And the thing about this is that he is called to be a messenger, or that word could mean apostle. That word could be uh, someone who is a sent one, an ambassador. He was sent to give and, and to bless Paul. But the journey from Philippi to Rome was not just a little bit of a, you know, for us it would have been just a little plane ride, a couple hours, Philippi to Rome, 800 miles, like no problem. Uh, guess what? Back in their day, that's not how it worked. They couldn't even get in their car. They had, he had to hoof it on his feet, probably, maybe some sort of animal, and then he would get on a ship and have to sail, and he would have to do it again on the other side. It was up to a seven-week process to get from Philippi to Rome. It wasn't like, eh, I guess I'll go see Paul today. Like, that's how we are, right? Even if we were going to drive to Wisconsin or something 800 miles away, it's still, we could drive there. We could just get in our car. No, this is a seven-week up-to process to get there. And it was a dangerous journey. It wasn't easy. It wasn't safe. I would guess we generally feel safe when we drive anywhere. We might skip one gas station to go to another because one looks a little more sketchy or whatever in our own mind, whatever that means, right? But we feel safe. This was not safe. And Epaphroditus, we're going to see, actually gets sick and almost dies from his journey. These guys were all in with the message of the gospel. And there's something about realizing, and the number one thing is we have to be that. We've got to be all in with Jesus, we're not going to have the values that we need to walk as a team if we first haven't chosen to walk in relationship, to be all God has. So we're going to look at a few values today as we look through here, uh, Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 17. 17 and 18. They say, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering, this is Paul. Upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. Now, when we start this portion of Scripture, Paul is literally saying, I will, whatever it takes, I would be willing to be poured out at a drink offering. I will be willing to give everything, to die for the sake of the gospel, to die for you, to do whatever it would take 
In fact, we know, and Paul probably knew, that that's where he was headed. There was a pretty high probability that he was going to turn into a martyr for the Lord. And he says, I would be, do anything for you. I'll be poured out for you. I will give it all for you. That is pretty severe. But what he doesn't do in this passage is say, I'm really amazing. Timothy, he's cool, but he's kind of like my spiritual son, so he's over there. Epaphroditus is just a messenger. There is the exact opposite that happens as he's going to talk about as we continue. These guys and how they're faithful and how they're good, that each person has their own purpose that is to play. And today the value number one is that purpose must be over position in our life. That when we walk into a church together, when we walk in our home, when we walk into our work, the question I have is, Lord, what is your purpose for me? Lord, right here. Lord, what is your purpose? I pray that's your prayer, right where you are. What does it look like at my home? What does it look like at my work? What does it look like when I'm out in the community? Lord, what is the purpose that you have given me? It does not matter the position. It doesn't matter if it's in front of people or if no one ever even knows I did anything. What's my purpose? And when I think about my purpose in my life, I ask the Lord, help me always to remember my number one purpose is, Lord, I want to be a son of the God of the universe. I want to know you and have relationship with you and be intimate with you above anything else. That's where it starts. My purpose continues to my wife that I want to be the best husband to my wife that I can possibly be, that I want to lay down my own selfish things and pick up what she needs and what she desires that I want to be the best parent to my children that I can possibly be. All of these things are sometimes difficult. Anybody? Anybody ever seen difficulty, right? Sometimes they're difficult. But when we start to get them out of order and we start to say, well, my job is more important, or the moment, let's say for me, Pastor Chris, the moment when the most people are in the seats are most important, I'm just going to let you know that I love preaching. I love being pastor. I love trying to do my best and sometimes not doing good enough, but to pour into people and to love people. I love it. But you all, Radiant Life Church, is like at least fourth on the list in my life. Because my relationship with Jesus and my wife and my kids are way more important. I, I said that too loud. Maybe someone get offended. It's way more important than anything that I do, than any job that I have. And I love, I am called to what God has, but my purpose, that's not where it starts. And when we understand right where you are, that your purpose isn't to make this money or to be in this house or to do this thing or to, your purpose starts, Lord, right here. What do you have for me? Maybe the people in your home. But then all of a sudden, Lord, how does my purpose line up? What do you want me to do at work? How does my purpose line up with being an engineer or a mechanic or being at the hospital, or doing whatever it is. What's my purpose do, and how does it work together? That my purpose is not that, but Lord, who you've called me to be, now how do I live it out? And if I can understand that my purpose is so much more and important than my position, then I'm okay. On Sunday mornings, now this is a pastor thing to think, or maybe you're like, yeah, you know, whatever. You can think less of me if you want. But on Sunday mornings, I find it hilarious that almost every week there's like a flop. First service sometimes is bigger. Second service sometimes is bigger. And you never know. I've not been able to like pinpoint why. It just sometimes it is. And sometimes you come in in the natural and you're like, oh, first service is kicking. You're like, woo, 
Woo, this is awesome. And other times, I'm going to be real, you're second service, so just don't come first and it won't, won't hurt you. But sometimes it's like, where's everybody at? You're like, what's going on? And you're thinking about why aren't people here when guess what? My purpose is not to preach to the most people in the world. My, my purpose is to preach the word of God to whoever God will put in front of me at whatever moment it is. And when we do, then I believe there's going to be more people because we're going to fulfill his purpose and in your way, in your life. It's not about the thing or the what or the title. It's about, Lord, what's the purpose I have? And when we're faithful with what is little, we're faithful in the middle, we're faithful when it seems like it's going, then God can bless and pour out and do something through you that can't happen if all I want is a position, if all I want is a title, if I want a stage. If my position, uh, this weekend we had a, a girls' ministry conference here and there were 300 girls. In fact, Liz Clark, uh, right back there, she was the director of it. It was awesome. It went really great. Yeah, some of the girls and people in here, uh, just awesome. Um, it went really great until about 20 minutes from the end of it, our soundboard just like fried for no reason. So uh, the team last night made it happen. Speaking of teams, thank you teams. Thank you, Kyle Zide, for coming and getting another soundboard and making it work. So you didn't even know this morning, right? Like, praise the Lord for teams. But last uh, yesterday, my position was to sit in the soundboard or booth and do whatever people told me to do. And it was kind of nice. It was kind of nice. I, have to, I actually said, Liz, if you want anything, you just come, you tell us, and we will do whatever you want. We're here to serve you. But it's not about what we do. But you know what it is about? Yesterday was 300 girls at an altar even all of the, the young people that responded when there was no sound system anymore and they came out with an acoustic car, uh, guitar and just sang really loud, it was about those girls and their life being transformed. And if that's in the sound booth or that's in a room no one ever sees or if that's praying at home because that's what God's given me, Dr. David and Mary Ratchesing, they pray more than anybody else, and they're not able to make it to service, but they pray, and they pray, and they believe, and they believe for you, and they believe that God's going to move, and they believe and pray for revival. And in this season of their life, they can't get out of their home to come, but they're with us because they're doing their part. And no one knows unless I say. In fact, if he was in the room, he'd be like, Pastor, don't tell, don't say. Don't, he doesn't want title. He doesn't want people to know anything. But when we do our role, we do what God's called, it's all good. Okay, I'm going to have to fly through. Uh, the, the Lord is good. The next part here, Jesus over program. Philippians, uh, jumping in here at 19. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you, for I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare, for they all seek their own in interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth. How as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. And can we jump in there to 21? What, what a verse. A sad verse. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Christ. And when I put it in my own words, it's Jesus has to be over-programmed. Jesus has to be over my interest. Jesus has to be over what I want. Jesus has to be over my tradition. Anybody, some of us like tradition. We're like, hey, pastor, can you back up? You know, like, don't step on toes, right? We like what we like. Maybe even more difficult, Jesus has to be over what I've experienced in the past. And what do I mean by that? That the word of God trumps anything that happens, which means I may have seen dysfunction. I may have seen problem. I may have seen things in church. I may have seen lots of stuff. But the word of God is true. 
And program does not win out over Jesus, over him and his word being proclaimed. Because if, if so, someday you get to heaven and you don't want Paul being there. Like, uh, yeah, your interests, they were more important than Jesus. Your interest is what was focused on. They seek their own interests. No, Lord, help me to focus on you and let programs and let things and let my desires and even my own experience line up with you and who you are because you are what matters. It all points back to Jesus. My purpose is in Jesus. Who I am is in Jesus. How I treat people is in Jesus. So Lord, where I need to be healed because of experiences or tradition or things that have taken place today, I offer them to you. And I realign myself with the word of God, with who you are. And there's several more, but I just want to right here stop and say, if you notice, these are not easy things. It's not like, oh, yeah, today we're just going to do all seven. I'm good the rest of my, like, no, right? These are all hard our experiences, what we've been through, what's happened or been done or good, bad, they, they have formed us. And now, Lord, could you help even those things that weren't of you and weren't right? Can you help those a lot? That's a journey. But are we willing to see and to walk in the power of God, to follow the word of God, to say my purpose is more important? And maybe I've been looking for position or maybe I've been looking just to do my thing, to do my program, to do my, my interests and to walk in my own experience. But no, it's time to give it to the Lord. Paul was completely obsessed with the advancement of the gospel. He was completely obsessed with Jesus. His own comfort didn't matter. His own desires didn't matter. His reputation didn't matter. And even how long he lived on this earth didn't matter if one more person would come to know Jesus. I'll be poured out as a drink offering, and I will rejoice in it if that's what my purpose is. 23 and 24 go on, I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me, and I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. Uh, Pete, or, I mean, Paul here, he was so in love with people, he cared for people, he was always sending people, he was always trying to help people, he was always trying to encourage people, he was always trying to help people that when they got off track, to get them back on track, because it's more important that they would get back on track than just to cheer people on, right? He was caring for people here he wanted to send Timothy to go that that was going to happen soon people matter most and in 1 John 4 20 and 21 it says if anyone says I love God and hates his brother he is a liar for he does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen and this commandment we have from him whomever loves God must also love his brother and this is the most difficult one probably of all of them that when we think of our life and we think of people, people, get ready for this. I'm going to change it. You are difficult. You are difficult. You know who else is difficult? I am difficult. And today, even we were laughing out in the foyer, you're difficult and you're difficult and you're difficult. And when we understand that all of us have our own desires, our own understanding, we have what we want. Now, how many people live in an apartment in here where you share a wall or a floor or a ceiling with, uh, there's some people in apartments, okay? Including right back here, our missionary couple, they live in my, my parents' basement apartment. So a full apartment, which means I can't even imagine what you go through at certain periods of time. When we have all the grandkids and you know, all the kids there, it must sound 
Uh, I would put my Bose canceling, noise canceling headphones on. That's what I would do and just shut myself away. And what do you do when your preference probably is not chaos around you? But what do you do when you can either be a good witness and you can love people and you can put your noise canceling Bose headphones on? Or you can get mad and you can storm across to another person or up the stairs in your case. And you could be like, what is going on? And is anybody else in the room that when you're upset, you just have a little bit more excitement? I do. I do. So what? It doesn't normally come off well. And they're like, what jerks of people? They're, they're supposed to be Christians. What happens when all of a sudden we say, Lord, it might not be right, but I care about them more than not hearing their music, maybe even knowing what words and what song. It's that loud, maybe, you know, whatever it is for you. I think, and maybe some of you are on the reverse side, but we have a neighbor that uh, he mows his grass two or three times a week, and he has like four or five acres. I mean, it's, it's a commitment. Uh, I, let's just say, do not mow my grass four or five, or two or three times a week, I like at all. In fact, maybe every two or three weeks I mow my grass. I'm in the country. It's not hurting anybody. I've got a big mower. Like, it's all good. So if you come over for a life group, probably that day it was mowed because, you know, I want you to think I mow my grass. But whenever we mow our grass, our neighbor, he goes out and mows his grass, even if he mowed his grass the day before. And I find it to be hilarious. But then you know what else I, God, like, is speaking to me? Maybe part of this for me is to love my neighbor means I probably should mow my grass more because it drives him nuts. And I know it does. I don't not mow it because it drives him nuts. It just, I don't care about my grass. I'm just being real. I don't care. But if I'm going to love people over what I want and over my even time in that way, I probably should at least mow it once a week. Like, I, I need to do better on my side even though I don't care. And when we truly get it that, Lord, I want to love people more than myself, more than what I want, that's hard, number one. I, I mentioned all these are hard. But it also changes your life. It changes how people will view you. It changes what you will do in situations. It changes everything. And Lord, help me be someone that loves people. Help me be someone that loves you over my own desires. Help me be someone that follows your purpose over a stage or a purpose or a title. Continuing in verse 25, it goes on, I have, or have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. And when I think about these three guys, Paul, Epaphroditus, who was sent, who got ill, who almost died on the mission that God had called him to and that his church has sent him on, I think of our desire for gratification. We want things to be how we want them, when we want them. I love it when we get to go on, like, super fun vacations. I love it when it's just, like, fun stuff, whatever it might be. I love it when you get to play at Murfield Village Golf Course and you play your best golf you've ever played in your life. Right? Any, anybody. Maybe you've got to do something. You're like, yes, this is so awesome. Whatever it might be for you. But you know what I want more than special little things or instant gratification? I get my way. I get how I want it. Is I want to be dependable. Dependability over gratification every day of the week is what we're called to do. 
dependability to say, even Paul, I want to send him back to you. Hey, he, he, he almost died, but I want to send him back to you. And church, when we can be a people that we know, the person on our left and right, we already, we already stated this, they might be difficult, but you know what? I'm going to be dependable for them. And I pray that they're going to be dependable for me. But you know what? My job isn't actually for them to be dependable for me. My job is I will be dependable for the people around me. You're going to know and you're going to see consistency. And when I mess up, I'm going to say, I messed up. I'm sorry. As pastor of Radiant Life Church, I wish I never made mistakes. I wish I knew all the time what to say. I wish a lot of things. And I find out more and more every single day. I don't know that much. <laughs> There's so much, right? But I want to be dependable. And I pray that you and that Radiant Life Church is a place that we're dependable to see the message of the gospel go around the world. But it starts personal relationship, family, our church, our community. This last year, I, I couldn't be more excited. Mentioned a couple times, but the church gave $375,000 right out to mission. So that was outside of church walls. That does not include Marysville stuff. That's, that's Radiant Life Church. We're talking other things, other places, missionaries, mission organizations. And my question to myself uh, is how do we, how do we get, give near that? Because there were some massive gifts that were given to make that possible. We were able to give 125000 to to uh, revive church about 20 minutes from here to help them get into a building to reach the hilltop. One of the greatest things ever, getting to give them a check, getting to go to the bank, getting to be a part of that process with them. It was awesome. But how do we do that again? How do we make sure that we're dependable for our missionaries, a couple of them that are in the room? How do we make sure? And every once in a while, Rachel will mention, I think because at the time it might have been scarring, but back 2009, my dad, we, there were some weeks where it was tight here at church. Just money was tight. And you know what Pastor Dave would not do is not pay the missionaries. He would not pay himself. He would not pay the pastoral team. He would not pay the bills. But there's no way that he would not pay for the missionaries and give what we had committed to give. Because we would be dependable to the message of the gospel going around the world. And we believe that when we're dependable and walk in the Lord, that the Lord every time shows up. Every time he moves. Every time he shows himself. So instead of what I want and what I need, my own gratification, when I say, Lord, I just want to give you all and be dependable to say yes day in and day out, then it takes us as a church to a point of saying, okay, how do we come up with and give maybe $100,000 more so we could give that 375 in 2022 like we did in 2021 because there's nothing like seeing someone and helping support and letting the gospel go around the world and as we do seeing the blessing of God to see that happen right here in Dublin in your homes in your community with your family let's be dependable for one another let's love one another and the last one this morning the last few verses here Verse 27, indeed, he was ill, near to death, but God had mercy on him. And not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. 
When I see Paul, when I hear him talk, when I hear him talk about Epaphroditus, when I hear him talk about almost anything, every book, risk is more important. Risk over safety is where I want to be every single time. I'm not talking about finding a, a tall ledge and trying to walk on the edge of it. No, that's, that's dumb. Don't do that. But in our spiritual walk, are we willing to say, Lord, I'm going to step out what feels like a risk. I'm going to believe your word. I'm going to stand upon the truth of who you are. Because when we start to say, I'm going to get a little risky, and I mentioned that experience before, those things, and I'm going to lay those before you, everything starts to look different. When as a church, we're able to give and support and see the goodness of God go around the world, sometimes it might even seem like a risk. Sometimes in 2009, it seemed risky to me as someone that was kind of relying on a paycheck to say, okay, we'll, we'll, just, we'll be fine. I hope we'll be fine. But guess what? Dad paid the missions by Monday morning. I think it was three days. We had to wait three days by Monday morning, and we never had another problem. And I believe that sometimes in our life, if we're not a little bit risky and we say, I'm going to hold on and hold back from what God has, then who knows what would have happened. But there's a blessing that comes when we say, Lord, I'm going to be all in with you in my personal walk and who I am. Epaphroditus risked his life in order to minister to Paul and his Radiant Life Church as Pastor Chris. I'm willing and I want us to be willing to risk it all to see the power of God poured out, to see the goodness of God poured out upon our world. And today, maybe one of these just jumped out at you. Maybe one of these, purpose over position, Jesus over program, people over preference, dependability over gratification, and risk over safety. Maybe one just jumped out and you say, oh, man, Lord, you're kind of convicting me. You're kind of, you're speaking to me. Lord, you're, you're doing something. I would encourage you. Could you commit? And we're going to pray here in a second. Lord, would you help me? Would you help me to love people better? I think, I'm guessing we all could pray that one. We probably could all pray all of them, but that's a good one. Lord, could you help me be dependable when sometimes I just, I get off track? Lord, would you help me to love you, put you above everything? Lord, would you help me? I believe he wants to do it, and he will do it. I believe that he will pour himself out. And maybe the biggest all of these are is, Lord, would you help me take a step, a risk step in you? I'm not going to live in safety. I'm not going to stay hidden. I'm not going to not let people in. I'm not going to, no, no, I'm going to let your word be made real in my life. And church, that's a little bit risky. Because that means you're going to be in a constant endeavor to look like Jesus, which means we're going to be in a constant endeavor to give up more and more of what, who we think we are to become who he, he's actually created us to be. And it's risky at the beginning, and then all of a sudden you realize it's actually the safest thing in the world you can do. But it doesn't feel like it when we're in the middle of it. It doesn't feel like it when we're working through the things of our life. And today, if we want to be the Rad Fam, if we want to be Radiant Life Church, if we want to be together and be united, church, that's what it takes. Let's risk it all for the sake of the gospel. Let's give it all for him. Because I believe we're called to win one more for Jesus. And we can only do it together. We can only do it united as a team. So the question, are you willing to jump in and watch as teamwork makes the dream work. It's what relationships are about.
If you've got a relationship struggle, maybe a spouse or a, a kid or a, a boss or a friend, whatever, laying down, putting them first, offering yourself to the Lord. Watch what will happen. Watch what will happen. The principles of the word will change your life. And it'll be so good. But it takes it's effort. God has for you. So Lord, this morning we come before you and I thank you for a group of people that love you and that want the things that you would have poured out in their life. And Lord, but sometimes that's difficult. Sometimes we don't know how. Sometimes we don't know what to do. And so Lord, I pray that today every one of us would be able to step out and take a risk towards what you have. Lord, that we would be able to be a people that walk in dependability for each other and in your sight. Lord, that we would be people that care about those around us more than anything else. Our preferences, we would lay them aside and step into you. That we would be, first of all, in relationship with you, Jesus. And because of that, our purpose. Lord, our purpose would trump everything else in our life. And we would lay all down before you. And if we need to repent of any one area, Lord, I pray you would help us as individuals in this room to lay it down before you. We want you. We want all of you, God. Don't let anything hold us back from you. We're so thankful for who you are. Would you show yourself to us? Would you reveal yourself? Lord, for someone that's struggling today, maybe they feel on the outside, maybe they feel like things aren't working, things aren't going as they should, maybe they feel like uh, that, that you are far away from them, Lord, I pray that right now you would just wrap them in your arms. And Lord, that if they feel that, or maybe it's something they step out in faith to hold on to, Lord, that they would know you've not left them, you've not forsaken them, and as we come together and unite with you, you will see them through to the other side. Lord, you are good. Lord, we give Radiant Life Church to you. Lord, we offer you every part of what happens here. Change us as a team, as a group. Mold us to look like you. Give us your wisdom, your guidance, your direction. Lord, don't let us stop short in any way of what the full what you've called us to do. Lord, that's our desire as a group of individuals that believe in the call, the purpose that you've given us. So Lord, we love you. We thank you and we praise you. You are so, so good. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Before we leave this morning, if you've never given your life to Jesus, the reason we are here, we have it out on the wall to win one more for Jesus. We want to give you the opportunity, and all you have to do if you don't know him is just ask him, Lord, would you become the Lord of my life? Take my sin away. I repent of my past. Your own words. And the Bible says that all of heaven rejoices when one person gives their life to Jesus. So I want to encourage you just right now, maybe in the stillness of your heart, that you would just pray whatever words those would be. And then could you do something? Would you come talk to me? I would love to know what God is doing in your life. There's nothing better, nothing greater than letting the power of God be poured forth in you. So this week, church, let's value what God has. Let's value the team that he's given us at Radiant Life Church. And tonight, let's have fun. Right, let's, let's enjoy football. Let's enjoy relationship. Let's enjoy, and hopefully we get to see an Ohio team win the Super Bowl, which seems impossible. That would be pretty cool. But I want to encourage you today, let all you do glorify God. Bring glory to him in relationship and in every aspect of, of who you are and what you do. That's what it's about. 
Church, you're awesome. I love you all. Be careful what you watch. Be careful what you listen to. Be careful what you talk about. Savor the presence of Jesus. See you next week.